0: all right hey everybody thanks uh i'm dave i'm not ann uh the way this is going to work is that i'm going to do the first half of our talk and then i'm going to hand off to my lovely wife to do the second half of the talk uh because we're a an author team Uh, i'm a geologist she's a biologist and we're going to be telling you about uh the, the work that we've been doing over the last few years that is captured and summarized in these books so you should be seeing that the the um uh, the covers of the, the books that Anne and I have been working on for the last 15 years or so, where we investigate the connections between soil health and human health, about how the way that we treat the land affects the way the land can treat us. Uh, and so I'm gonna, and my job today is to give you sort of an overview that leads up to the What's Your Food Ate book, the most recent one in, in our series of books that really is looking at connecting soil health and human health. If you wanna connect with us outside the conference, feel free to check us out at our website or on Twitter, that's up on the screen now. But let me get into trying to share with you the journey that Ann and I have been on uh, investigating the connections that really led ultimately to us working a lot on the connections between soil health and human health, why the health of the land is actually fairly intimately connected to the health of not only just whole human societies in terms of our ability to feed uh, the world, but also into our individual health in terms of what's actually in our food. And when we, when, what we'll do is we'll walk you through the way that how our farming practices affect soil health how the soil health affects the health of our crops and and the botanical world in general how those two factors soil health and and uh the the health of plants, in turn, influence the health of our livestock and how that all wraps up into influencing human health. So there's a lot of dots to connect, going from soil health all the way through to human health, but that's what Ann and I have been working on and what we laid out in What's Your Food Ate? And that's what we'll try and give you the background for today for understanding those connections and the science behind them. Because in the end, what you can really kind of conclude from the the work we've put together and the the work of many other people that we've uh, synthesized is that soil health is our health, that our health is intimately connected to the state of the land and its ability not just to feed us, but its ability to nourish us. So let me get started. My job in the first half of this is to go through how farming practices affect soil health and how soil health wraps up to influence um, uh, the health of uh, the botanical world. And i will then pick up the baton for the second half of our talk and look at the connections uh, with the botanical health the health of our livestock and what that all rolls up into what's in our food and how that can support our health or not, as the case, unfortunately, has been under the world of modern conventional farming. So let's talk about soil health for a little bit. Um, Soil is something that can have health. Um, It's something that people argue about the actual definitions of, but there's two ways to look at soil degradation, which impairs soil health. And one is the physical loss of the soil itself, soil erosion, and the other is the loss of soil organic matter and the degradation of soil life, which turns out to be very central to the provisioning of our crops with the mineral elements and the and the phytochemicals, things that we'll go into in more detail on, in this talk, um, in as as they get into our diet. So let me start here with the, with the UN's global map of soil degradation from a number of years back. It's painting with a fairly broad brush, but gives you the feel. There's a lot of red on that map. Now, the best estimates that. Um, geologists have um, and agronomists have made globally is that we've degraded somewhere between a quarter and a third of the world's agricultural production capacity already through degrading this health of the land that we uh, of agricultural land the land that we depend on to grow our food um and i like to use this map to start because it paints the problem of soil degradation as truly a global problem as well so uh, through this talk and in our work in what Your Food Ate? It also amounts to an individual problem for eaters when we're thinking about how our food was grown, literally what our food ate on its way to our tables, And the starting point for that is how we treat the land, the state of the land, and global soil degradation is a very real and global problem today. If you look at the UN's most recent report on the state of the soil globally from back in 2015, they reported that humanity, the global us, are losing about 0.3% of our global food production capacity each and every year to soil erosion and degradation. And, you know, a very fundamental... um, uh, requirement for survival is at provisioning of adequate calories, getting enough to eat. Uh, the quality of that food, what's in it, and what we choose to eat, we'll go further into that a little later, but when we look just at our ability to feed ourselves now, we're losing 0.3% a year to soil degradation and soil loss. That 0.3% doesn't sound like a lot in any given year, and it's not, but if it happens in every year, year after year, it can really add up. And at this pace, we're on track to lose another roughly quarter to a third of our ability to feed ourselves on this planet through continually continual degradation of soil health and soil fertility, that does not bode well for our ability to feed ourselves later on this century. So what's been one of the big uh, problems in terms of uh, maintaining the health and fertility of our agricultural lands? It turns out that the plow, that most iconic of agricultural implements, is actually has been a major factor in the degradation of soil, and particularly soil erosion in, in societies around the world, and has actually affected the course and fate of human societies. Uh, no, what is it about tillage, the act of plowing that undermines soil health? it leads to erosion of the soil. Why? Because it leaves the ground bare and vulnerable to erosion by water or wind in the time right after you plow. A freshly plowed field that gets rained on with an intense rainfall is a field that's going to shed sediment. It'll You'll lose soil and it turns out at a pace that's difficult for nature to replace. Now the start of this talk might be a little um, uh, a, a little on the, the downside in terms of a, a depressing message in terms of how much we have degraded land in the past through uh, through generations of, of over tillage in many parts of the world, um, before even the world of modern um, agriculture contributed to the pace of decline. But that's what I wrote about in Dirt, The Erosion of Civilizations, the nature of the problem, uh, and the backstory of human societies about how society after society has degraded the land that we uh, use to grow our food and how that has affected civilizations in the past. And I'm going to spare you all the detail of all the civilizations I wrote about in Dirt, but I want to highlight uh, the one in particular here, that of classical Greece, because it so well illustrates the problem of, of how um, uh, frequent relying on, relying on too frequent a tillage Uh, on plowing too often can lead to wholesale loss of the soil off of a fairly broad landscape. So if we go to classical Greece and look at soil, we can document in the archaeological record that cycles of erosion and soil formation in ancient Greece began back in the Bronze Age, the the, the thousands of years before BC, uh, right after the introduction of plow-based agriculture. So when plows arrived from sources further to the east on the Greek peninsula, the the landscape looked about like this. This is a cross-section from tiered Tier van Andels and and Chris Reynolds work back in the 1980s looking at the state of the greek landscape Uh, at the end of the last ice age at the dawn of the agricultural age there was open oak woodland on the hills with the one to three foot thick soil on the hillsides and river sediments down in the valley bottoms well guess where people started farming well on the flat well watered easily worked ground next to the big rivers and as their population grew and spread up onto the hillsides cultivation spread from the valley bottoms right on up the hills and eventually you know, there are uh, uh, fields from the valley bottoms uh, well up onto the hills, and that started the, the clock ticking in effect on the loss of soil because the um, tillage of the land and then the exposure of the soil to uh, erosion by water and by wind eventually stripped the soil off the hillsides, piled it up down in the valley bottoms. And you can still see in many parts of the Greek landscape these upland areas that are uh, stripped of of fertile soil, where it's very difficult now to grow things in places where there are archeological evidence of of, uh, wheat harvests back in the Bronze Age. Um, And that soil basically ended up down the valley bottoms. And if there's, we know one thing about uh, the nature of being able to feed people on a landscape, uh, it's that if you have soil in a and you pile it all up in one spot you're not going to be able to feed as many people it's the area that's covered with fertile soil that's actually very useful for agriculture so what did this do to classical greek society this is the graph that really started me working on this problem of long term uh, soil erosion effects which led to the connections that Ann and I are working on now on the connections between soil health and human health but this graph illustrates the connections on societal health so this is a graph of population density of the southern argolid a particular region in southern in Greece that um, archaeologists, again Van Andels and Runnell, reconstructed the population density of this area from 6000 BC up to about the present uh, and you'll notice that uh, there, the population rose into the Bronze Age, crashed into a Dark Age before the age of Classical Greece. It rose again in the Classical Age, crashed again in the Dark Age before the Modern Age. There's been three cycles of civilizations on this landscape and there's two interesting things about this graph. Uh, one is trivial and that is, in my view, sort of why the amplitude of this these cycles increased why we can support more people today in the modern age than in the classical age and they could support more people than they did in the bronze age and that answer is obviously technology we have better technology today than we did in the bronze age no mystery there but what really intrigued me about this graph was, was not so much the amplitude of the signal going up with each civilization but the periodicity why a thousand year a couple thousand year run up and then a crash for a thousand years another um Uh, peak of human population, then another crash for a thousand years or so, and then on to the modern age. There's not a lot of places on Earth where three agricultural civilizations have occupied the same topography at different points in time. And that periodicity, why societies would last a few thousand years um, uh, before uh, a a crash into a dark age, uh, was something that really intrigued my imagination. Uh, and, And as you might expect, it connects to soil erosion. But in researching this, I was intrigued to find that i was not the first person to recognize this pattern the classical greek philosopher plato for example back in you know the fourth century bc noticed the erosion event that happened in the bronze age that the bronze that led to the the dark age right before the uh, time of classical greece when plato was writing